0: podcast audience. What's going on? Chat building back at you. Another episode of this life ain't for everybody today. I'm excited to bring you Troy Link, a good friend of mine, president and CEO of Jack Link's Protein Snacks. Jack Link's Jerky, the son of Jack Link. The story, it's awesome. It's a short one. I got to spend a few minutes with him talking. We were busy as heck creating content and spending a lot of time with the crew down in Louisiana at Honey Break, Drew and Tack and Jared and the entire. Honey Break crew, they uh, rolled out the red carpet for us for the Jack Lynx hunt. We donated a hunt to Troy's charity and his golf tournament. And some awesome guys Artie. And Jim Bob bought the hunt. They came down to Louisiana and we got to share three magical days together at camp in the lodge, in the duck blind, in the boat. Great meals with Miss Shelley down there. And like I said, they rolled out the red carpet. So thank you, Honey Break. Again, got to spend a few minutes with Troy Link. He's become a good buddy, a mentor of mine with the entrepreneurial spirit to drive the brand to what it is today. And he has no plans on stopping anytime soon. And uh, here it is, guys. I, I started off by just talking to him a little bit about the values and the direction that the company is heading and, and what, just what he thinks uh, you know, about on a daily basis and how he gets his team. He doesn't have employees. He has over 5,000 team members at Jack Link. So here it is, Troy Link, president and CEO of Jack Link's Protein Snacks, Jack Link's Jerky. Appreciate y'all listening.
1: And we think it's very important not to... Allow bureaucracy and you know uh, things into our business as we as we've grown it um, that make it not fun you know that make it not fun at all. So Jack's Way is 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 our values um, that are talked about throughout our organization um, through Jack's Way.
0: Do you accredit? these values you speak of is probably the biggest growth factor in the company as far as getting you to where you are today with the Jack Links brand, sticking to those values?
1: I think that I would say values are, are, are probably the most important thing for any organization, you know, any family, any group, because it's really what connects you. And, and I, always, I always explain it that we're bonded by our values and in Jack Links, you know, uh, they're not just written on the wall or, or written on a piece of paper. We live them and, and act that way every day. And you can't lie, cheat, or steal. And I provide uh, a place to be, you know, 100% transparent. And, and we talk to each other through our values. And, um, you know, the values are really the behaviors that other people experience from you. And I always look at, you know, I can see those behaviors from people and then I can pick the right people and put them in the right org structure, which will serve the purpose of serving all of our customers and consumers the best possible way.
0: Were Um, you, were you brought up in a really disciplined household? Was your dad, was your dad like on you to be disciplined, to be, you know, to have manners and clean cut and how to treat people and, and all of those kind of values from an early age, were, were they instilled in you?
1: Yes. Um. And, you know, we're from northern Wisconsin, so it wasn't yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am all the time like it is that I love and, and see in the south a lot. But um, I think coming from a small town, everybody's your neighbor, and I grew up in a town of 550 people. So you see everybody at the grocery store, at school, at church, you know, you know you're know you not getting away from them. So I think you learn to respect people and and be kind And, um, I think that, uh, that's what you see from people from small towns when you go there versus, and and listen, it's just, I've lived in big cities too, but in big cities, you don't see a lot of the same people over and over and over again. So I think the question that you're asking me is not, I'm not trying to judge people or anything. I'm just saying in our organization, being family owned and operated, you know, we, we take every consumer's uh, response to us, whether it be good, bad, or just a general comment, we take that to heart and we respond back to them. And, you know, uh, every internal team member is truly that a team member. So everybody has a voice in our organization.
0: I love and,
1: that. um, so it, it, it's a very unique environment, you know, because, um, you know, it's not corporate America. Um, and, and I don't want to be Corporate America. You know, uh, But you so, have
0: 5,000 employees, isn't that automatically
1: dubbed we as Corporate have America? Employees. We have team members. Team members. <laughs> you have
0: 5,000 team members. Isn't yeah. that already care- categorized as Corporate America?
1: Well, if you went and asked them, they'd uh all of them would know. My father and I, they'd know all of our leadership team. Um we're very uh much around in the business. I mean, they all have access to me. Um, and, um, you know, I think there's a lot of responsibility in running an organization in today's world, whether it be small, medium or large, and I consider us a small business. And, um, you know, we're ordinary people accomplishing extraordinary things is really at the end of the day what I believe we are. And we're very passionate about what we do. We're very focused at protein snacking. You know, we don't make Twinkies and, and potato chips. We do protein snacks. And you know, that's what we're focused on. So we're very passionate about it, and I'm very interested to see how people use the product. And, you know, I noticed you saw me this morning. I was watching how people eat it, and, you know, when people open a bar, do they take the piece out and just eat it, or do they keep it in the wrapper? How do they eat it? How are they enjoying it? What do they say about it? Because, you know, all those inputs make us a better company. And um, I think that, you know, comes back to the values of, you know, we're very curious and um, you know uh, um, we're not afraid of change and we're not afraid of trying new things and um, you know I get to spend all my time with team members our customers our consumers and people like you Chad because I don't have to spend all my time with you know analysts or the public market or any of those type people so we, we really focus on our business and and our business is, is, is really our team members and our, and our customers and consumers, that's who it is.
0: And that business, I've heard a couple different, a few stories of how it started. Did it really start with, a, with just guys bringing different foods to work and one day, one week it was jerky and your family made this jerky and then everybody's like, wow, man. So it's kind of happened by mistake, like it was just a couple guys getting together and comparing jerky recipes or something?
1: Yeah, so my grandfather, was third generation from Germany, huge meat background. His father came to northern Wisconsin and opened up a butcher shop, and it was a very old-fashioned butcher shop where he had live chickens, and when you ordered a chicken, the chicken was processed on the spot for you. My grandfather and his brother opened up some grocery stores. Well, half the store was, meat, was a meat department. And it was, you know, all of your German sausages, hot dogs, sausages, jerky, beef sticks, liverwurst, you know, half a beef, half a pig. You know, they'd cut you whatever you wanted. Kind of like a a, a custom butcher shop would be today, but they're not very available in a lot of areas, you know. I mean, you got to go out where you're from in Nevada or Montana or the Dakotas or something to kind of find one. Um, But that's what his dream was in the grocery stores was to have these awesome meat, meat departments because we have this multi-generational, uh, meat knowledge through, through the link family. And, um, so there'd been these beef jerky recipes in the family for, for many generations. So that went to, he built a slaughterhouse in Northern Wisconsin. And, um, so we used to take live animals and take them into whatever it is. I think it's 156 different cuts and sell those pieces well that's a really tough business especially in northern Wisconsin because we're not exactly in the heart of ag country Um, so it was a really tough business my dad ended up buying that out of the family business and um, he ran it successfully for about four or five years and business got really tough and my dad was 40 actually I think he was 39 years old and he ended up filing bankruptcy in the slaughterhouse business and we were using our smokehouses to heat the facility and we started making beef jerky and we started making a little bit more beef jerky and we started making a little bit more and I remember he was 40 and uh, went to his first food show with we were making two items that we uh, we bought a packaging machine and um, I was 16 so I can remember it quite well and um, you know he went to his first food show and everybody loved his product and it just kind of took off from there and then we had several innovations along the way we innovated putting a cheese stick with a beef stick and we innovated you know resealable large bags of beef jerky and you know we innovated uh, you know uh, nuggets we innovated tenders and now we're innovating you know our cold crafted line and meat bars and you know so there's been a lot of innovations along the way but they're all based on this meat knowledge and and, you know it won't take you long if you talk to my dad or me you know we're going to talk about cattle we're going to talk about meat, we're gonna talk about protein, we're gonna talk about the nutritional values, we're gonna talk about, um, you know, why, you know, a protein snack is, is, is so cool and fun, and, you know, we, we that's, that's, that's what we do. That's, seems
0: to me like it took a while to get into the refrigerated area of a convenience store or somewhere where you can walk in and buy a snack, a protein snack, like the <clears throat> Craft. Was it years of research? Because when you did it, when you finally did it, it was automatically the best, like yeah. it was, like uncomparable to anything else available. Yeah. At, at least in my opinion, it's amazing. The linkages, the sticks, the cheese-filled sticks. Is it a ton of research that goes into something like that? Is it a ton of taste testing? Are you looking for the right salamis? Are you looking for the right beefs, the right cheeses? Is that? Is just a ton of work before the launch even is
1: initiated. So the the short answer is absolutely. I mean, we've got a lot of people working on that. We've got a lot of people working on what, what does the consumer want. I would say that, that we we probably would have been ready with those items before, but I don't know that the consumer was. And as the consumer is shifting and their idea of what healthy is, sometimes an ambient product like our main line, new consumers don't see that as healthy. They think it's got to be filled with preservatives or they think that it's you know, got to be the floor scraps or anything. They don't know that we're using great cuts of steak and that it's not filled with preservatives. I mean, you know, basically we're taking the oxygen out and and adding some cure and some seasoning. And, uh, you know, it is a very healthy snack. But as new consumers develop, that fresh case, they're going there for their snack because they're looking for something healthy. So they're looking for fruit. They're looking for, you know, a a low-carb, a low-sugar snack. They're looking for, you know, something that, that, that hasn't been processed So a natural cheese and a natural sausage takes less uh, ingredients because we're refrigerated. So um, the downside of it is it's got to be refrigerated. So for people like you and I that live out of our backpacks, you know, uh, they're fine, you know, but, you know, they're not going to go bad in a few hours non-refrigerated or even maybe a half day or something. But, you know, you have to have refrigerated for it. The nice thing about our main core line of items is you can put them in your backpack and if you don't eat them today and you don't eat them next week and you don't eat them the following week, they're still great when we go put the decoys out, you know, uh, next month, right? Right. So, but I think the consumer has really shifted to that refrigerated space because, and they know now that yogurt's full of sugar and carbs and they know that, you know, fruit is okay, but not too much of it. And they know, so they're really graduate, they're, they're really gravitating towards meat and cheese and protein snacks because of, you know, all these new diets that are so on trend. That are are eliminating uh, carbs and sugars.
0: Right. So. As a as a CEO, as a man, as a dad, as just a you know an everyday guy, are you do you consider yourself ultra competitive? And if so, how bad does do you worry about competition? Do you stay in your lane every day as your focus, or do you pay attention to what they're doing but you don't let it really consume you? And does it really irritate you when you get knocked off in Me Too companies and stuff like that? How competitive are you with your quote-unquote competition?
1: Right. So the answer to your, your question is, of course I'm competitive. And, and I think everybody has competitive spirit in them. I would say that, that I'm competitive to a degree that I have to be careful. Because if you and I are playing cards, I want to win. And I want to win every time. And if we're hunting ducks, I, mean, I want to shoot my fair share, right? Right. Um, and sometimes you got to lay back and you know and, and let others so i 'm very aware that i'm highly competitive. I would say in my business, the way that I look at it is i'm looking to learn from my competitors um, they're all in business for a reason, and I'm trying to learn from them uh, and 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 figure out what they're doing right, not figure out what they're doing wrong, but I run our business and I would be comfortable going and giving every one of my competitors a copy of our strategy playbook, because if we're focused and we're executing at the way that we should be, it, it shouldn't matter if they have it or not. You know, it's kind of like, you know, give a sports analogy. You know, if, if if I've got a better team, I should be able to give you all of my plays and still I would execute you. And and that's how I feel about our product. I feel our product is better, our branding is better, and um, we, we um, should be able to serve the consumer better than anybody so of course there's a lot of mock-offs protein snacks are are really hot you know I didn't know it was going to be so fashionable being the in the meat snack business and we've had I think 150 new competitors come and you know it's no different than craft beer um you know uh now it's kind of cool to bring a new beer to a party and and everyone's talking about their their craft beer but that fad is settling out too you know I mean it was really hot two years ago right and and, you know, wine got really hot. So there's all these trends and fads and protein snacking is really hot and people want more protein and they know that it's more healthy for them. As far as how I look at the com- competition is we have to execute and we have to we have to have a better product and um, we have to be more fun to the consumer and, and uh, we got to stay very relevant. So um, if someone's buying one of my competitors products, I just want to understand why. So that, uh, you know, I can overcome that obstacle and, and have them buy our product. So Does that's it worry why,
0: you at all, Troy, that that trend might come to an end with these diets and stuff and that protein isn't looked at yeah. as something that people seek out as much?
1: <clears throat> it's funny. I mean, uh, I've been doing this shit two generations now. And my dad's been doing it for four generations, you know, longer. Um, but we've been focused on meat snacks really for the last 30 years. And when the Atkins diet hit, we had phenomenal growth and we thought, Oh my God, this is going to end, but it is just built from there. It is just built and built and built and built. And I think that the consumer is changing. The consumer wants healthier snacks. And then we want indulgent snacks too. You know, I mean, all of us want to go eat something sweet or eat, you know, something that we know is not good for us. But I think that we go towards a protein snack as, as a, as an everyday snack and, and we feel good about eating it and, um, you know, as we develop more and more items, uh, they should appeal to more and more consumers and, um, hopefully they use them more, more often. You know, I'm after more consumers, more occasions, more often. Is there more to come as far as product goes? Oh yeah. We're innovating all the time. Yeah. We've got some really cool new stuff, uh, uh, coming and I can't wait to share it. And yeah, yeah. We're always figuring out, uh, you know, different proteins and, and how to make different forms with them and how to appeal to new consumers. And, Drive usage occasion. I mean, you know, if, if you buy our product, uh, you know, you're you're probably a heavy user. You know, how many times do you eat our product a month? Every day. Okay, so you eat it every day. So you're you're a high user. And how do I get you to 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 you know use more per day? Um, somebody might be a casual user and using it one time per week or once a month. How do I increase that usage occasion? And I do that with variety. I do it with uh, different products, uh, maybe some different proteins, maybe some different flavors um, to appeal to them for, for more occasions.
0: When you look at your customer base, your your potential customer base, Troy, and I know that, that you probably do a lot of focus groups, you probably do a lot of market analysis, you have the workout enthusiast, you have the soccer mom, you have the family, you have a lot of different segments that could eat beef jerky, truck drivers to oil field workers. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. nine to five American blue collar guys, yeah. military. Um, you talk about hook and bullet. I love that term that you use. Mm-hmm. How important is it to you to have the placement that you do, which is strong, with the conservationists, the hunter, the fisherman, the outdoorsman?
1: So they're our core consumer, and that's why we call them the hook, hooks and bullets guys, because... They're, they're really people like you and I, and, and we're proud of the lifestyle that we live. Um, and we're going to use the product. You said you use it every day, and that's awesome. I mean, I use our product every day. Um, and even if we weren't in this business, if I was doing something else, I would probably use this product every day because of my life that I live. And um, so that consumer group is very important because they're a heavy usage occasion person. And then we need to attract the, the, the less frequent ones as well. And, you know, when you get more urban and and more into the city, you know, people are still snacking. The, the, the problem is, is they're snacking on other stuff, not, not one of our brands of protein snacks. So we've, we've got to get them into our brands and get them into our portfolio products and let them know why it's such a great snack, but hooks and bullets for sure. I mean, they're, they're our core user and, and, you know, we never, want to forget them. Um, we always want to continue to market to them. We always want to do fun things for them. I try and always participate in all the different conservation groups, whether it be a gift basket for the silent auction or, you know, samples for the tables or donations to their deal. And and also it's stuff that I believe in too. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if, if somebody's watching the outdoor show, they're probably an outdoor enthusiast and, um, you know, we want to support them. and. We want them to know that we're family-owned and operated, and that you know every piece is is very important to us. And and every time they buy our product, we want them to have a great experience.
0: Why do you love hunting so much and fishing? I know you love fishing. Just I don't know as much, but you're very passionate about both. Is it yeah. generational? Is it your? Is it family? Did you do it at a young age? And does it continue to grow at the age you are now, or do you kind of find yourself, you know, not being quote-unquote, is mad at the ducks anymore or trying to chase as many trophy deer or sheep anymore?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think everybody has their own journey through it. You know, it, I'm very fortunate because I grew up in northern Wisconsin in a very small town, and if you're from that area, you, you you enjoyed the outdoors, all of the activities. You know, you played sports, you enjoyed the outdoors, and you did the things that, that, that you do growing up there because there wasn't a lot of other options, you know? To go to a movie was, you know, an hour drive. Um, Fast food was 45 minutes away, so you learned how to cook. You know, uh, so I grew up being an outdoor enthusiast. I love the outdoors, and and I don't really care what that it is. I would say that, you know, I've been very blessed because I've been able to enjoy, you know, lots of different places and and lots of different expeditions. Uh, And now, you know, I really focus on taking others. Uh, I really focus on taking youth and now that i have three little kids um you know i really enjoy taking them out and you know my daughter is just crazy about catching critters and we catch snakes and frogs and turtles and everything and and um you know my little guy wants to go out and shoot his bb gun and and you know look at stuff and see deer and i mean it's amazing because uh uh you know they spot animals now faster than i see them and uh you know it's just a lot of fun to 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 get new people into it and whether they're older than me same age as me or younger i i I love to show somebody a new experience and and um you know have a great time and i think just getting people out of their normal element um is is fun to do
0: i think a guy like you i see this morning in the duck blind being key in your life for therapy stress relief you're with good friends you're with new friends you can get to know somebody like that. You've known Drew Keith for literally less than 12 hours and you were riding him like a wet blanket and he was riding you right back. And I think that that duck hunting and maybe golf a little bit, but it just seems like in a duck blind when you can socialize, you can't do that in a deer stand. You can't do that when your back's up against a tree for a turkey. You can do it on a fishing boat. But again, a fishing boat's different because there's a lot going on with execution. You're waiting on another flock and you guys are just all over each other funny having yeah. a great time, right? Isn't that I mean that's needed right like I, I see like this morning talk to me a little bit about not just yeah. the hunt because there was some action We got a lot of action a lot of jacks and some yeah. mallards and stuff um, But I think the most important part of this morning was the camaraderie and the blind would you agree
1: for sure and um, That's what's great about duck hunting is that it, it's exactly that you know, uh, I explained it to my wife as guy time and I need X amount of guy time just to normal me back out because, you know, you got your work life and you got your family life and you got, you know, stuff that you do together as couples and all of your time with your kids and everything. But, you know, you got, I also have to have X amount of guy time so you can just have fun like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's always fun when we're with a group because everybody starts having fun with each other and making funny little comments and, and, uh, you know, whether it be about missing a duck or what you're wearing or how you loaded your gun, we're not or having any jack links in and in not having enough jack links. <laughs> I mean, we ate every piece. So, yeah. but I got a plan for tomorrow morning.
0: Drew's awesome, though, isn't he?
1: He's Drew is phenomenal. Yeah. And leith tonight so he's
0: going to play a little bit. You excited to hear him play. I can't wait. Yeah. He's so good. I I'm love telling him. you, I put my. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm a nobody when it comes to music recommendations or my op- opinion, but. I'm telling you, when you watch him, you're just going to be like, the passion and the songs, the the wittiness and the cleverness and his lyrics, you're going to, you love Zach Brown. Yeah. I mean, this guy, yeah. Leith is awesome. But we'll end it like this. You sell the company next week. The new owners say, Troy, thank you for everything you've done for the brand. You get to eat one more Jack Link's product and you're never allowed to eat it again as part of this buyout. Pick whatever one you want. Which one
1: is it? That is very hypothetical because that's not going to happen under (laughs) mine and my father's watch. (laughs) I know Um, this. But but, what um, if it does? What do you Very hypothetical. I would say that I have to take a bag of jalapeno beef jerky.
0: Jalapeno beef
1: jerky. Yeah, I love the jalapeno. Over
0: all of the cold Craft.
1: I love the cold Craft too, but the jalapeno beef jerky is going to take me longer to eat. And, and, you know, I I really love the intense jalapeno flavor of it. Um, So, yeah, I'd have to, that would be my go to.
0: Well, I appreciate everything, man. I love the partnership, the support, and I'm looking yeah. forward to many more good years.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate you, and and uh, I hope all, all the people that are watching go buy a bag of Jack Links and they will. support a great company for a great Money cause, going we're going to continue to support America. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, thank you. I'd rather
0: be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the
1: money's all gone